the response to this movie was so bad, the director pulled it. Today I'm talking about Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about uh, Clockwork Orange, which is one of the most controversial movies ever made uh, for a lot of reasons, many of which I will get into today. And yeah, uh, this was interesting because I had seen this movie a long time ago, revisiting it and going into it, and yeah, kind of came away with a different... So without further ado, let's get started. The history of almost every controversial movie has felt like a conflict between the filmmakers and society at large. The filmmaker believes their film has something powerful and important to say, and society, be it through politicians, commenters, or critics, disagree or believe that the controversial elements overshadow the movie's message, or they don't even care about the message. What you almost never hear is a filmmaker removing their own film from theaters. And yet, that's exactly what Stanley Kubrick, of all people, did for A Clockwork Orange, after a number of copycat incidents following the release of his film. But is the film really that bad or impactful? Let's dig in. Based on the Anthony Burgess novel of the same name, the film takes place in the futuristic Britain, where Alex DeLarge, played by Malcolm McDowell, leads a group of hoodlums who enjoy getting drunk and high, getting into fights, and committing acts of violence upon unsuspecting citizens. But when one of his antics crosses the line, DeLarge is put through a grueling re-education process to cure him. So, why was A Clockwork Orange controversial? Unlike some other films of its era and ilk, it's pretty easy to see why A Clockwork Orange was and remains controversial to this day. Presenting young people engaging in acts of violence, especially sexual violence, is always rough going and arguably nigh impossible to do without glorifying the act itself. So while some countries in theaters condemned the film simply for having nudity, violence, and sexuality, there are two scenes that are undeniably disturbing, both of which involve violence against women. So, trigger warning coming up front. The first features the brutal assault of a husband and sexual assault of his wife, while Alex sings Singing in the Rain. It's a juxtaposition so vicious and the assault itself is portrayed in such a horrifying fashion that it's impossible to see this as a glorification. It is as terrifying and matter-of-fact as a scene like this should be. Of course, its existence is a bridge too far for many viewers, and I understand that. The second scene is very similar and features Alex killing a distraught woman with a phallus-shaped object. Again, the scene is played for maximum horror and is the act that gets Alex arrested. And these are the scenes that allegedly inspired copycats and caused Kubrick to ask for the movie to be pulled from British theaters. Now, Kubrick and my feelings on the matter are similar, at least to a point, which lines up with the thrust of the film. And this is a quote directly from Kubrick. To try and fasten any responsibility on art as the cause of life seems to me to be putting the the case the wrong way around. Art consists of reshaping life, but it does not create life, nor cause life. Furthermore, to attribute powerful suggestive qualities to a film is at odds with the scientifically accepted view that, even after deep hypnosis in a post-hypnotic state, people cannot be made to do things which are at odd with their natures. Now that last part, we'll get to. In a less showy way, a film cannot make someone assault another person, which ironically is kind of the film's point and the movie's biggest irony, which is state's violence. state violence. So let's get into state violence. 
As flawed as its delivery might be, A Clockwork Orange is about the state's inability to change human nature, especially by force. In th the film, this is demonstrated by the inhuman methods the prison systems use to recalibrate Alex's brain. This is where the infamous image of Malcolm McDowell with his eyes held open with a terrifying apparatus come in. They're forcing him to see horrific imagery and associate it with musical cues, in this case Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. The end result is that every time Alex has a negative desire, he becomes physically ill and shuts down. Which, once he is released in society, is used by his former friends and foes alike, in, in, even in spite of more respectable positions which they hold, i.e. his former goons are now policemen who can now institute state violence, or even more respectable views. For instance, the man who is against the techniques used on Alex uses it against him once he realizes Alex is the one who assaulted his wife. So much so that Alex attempts to take his own life and ends up becoming a and ends up becoming a puppet in a new public relations push, while the audience sees that or Alex's horrifying impulses remain, in spite of the state's efforts. So let's get into the problems with the film that I think make it still controversial till this day. So I have two major problems with Clockwork Orange. The first is how Kubrick treated his leading man, Malcolm McDowell. While Kubrick was always known as an unforgiving taskmaster, he was physically abusive towards McDowell. Nearly dropped him one scene and scratched his, nearly drowned him, sorry, in one scene and scratched his cornea in another. McDowell understandably doesn't like to talk about the film for this reason. It's a traumatic series of memories for him. And that's a cruel irony for a movie all about hu hum humans and humanity towards one another being inhuman towards the humans on set. And the second problem involves the movie's message, message itself, or rather, a lack thereof. In the novel, as originally intended, Alex's story ends with Alex actually reforming. He starts to realize the error of his ways, finds less and less pleasure in violence, and puts together that his violent streak could directly impact any children he has in the future and the people around him. Now, a lot of people don't like this ending because it feels too happy or unrealistic, but I'd argue they're missing the point. Yes, humans are capable of terrible things, but more often than not, it's because they lack forethought, empathy, or resources. It is hard, but people are certainly capable of changing that, but that can't be changed by, in, by, uh, by using abusive tactics, which the state uses to try and change Alex. It requires his own personal development. The film and the American version of the novel that was president until 1986, however, omit this idea completely. Alex is bad and will always be bad no matter what the state does. Despite coming face to face with heavy consequences for his actions over and over again, Alex is headed down the same path. Yet again, he will never learn. Which might be true for a dyed-in-the-wool psychopath, but it's hard to say that that's what Alex is because we only know this version of Alex. I like Burgess's and Anthony Burgess's intended ending, ending much better, not just because it offers hope, but also because it feels more complex and human and honestly much less conservative. For a man who seemed to disagree with the conservative belief that people are sheep and can be easily trained to do or not do things, it's odd that Kubrick also believed they can't change. This has been Scott's Off Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Off Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.